JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, 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 the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. We get a day closer to the start of the madness. I guess unofficially you can get officially, actually. Uh, Last night and then tonight in Dayton, Ohio, but tomorrow it is beyond official. We'll call it that. You got to join me tomorrow, too. I've got the next two days. Well, you guys absolutely need to be out with me. Bottle Works tomorrow. It's the Bottle Works and Brackets program. We're going to be watching, just like we did this time last year. What was funny about it, this time last year, if I remember correctly, we did the Brackets and the Bottles and the Bottle Works and the Brackets, and for me at least, it rained and we were inside, and then the next day, Just like we will be coming up on Friday, we were celebrating St. Patrick's Day at O'Reilly's, and I want to say it was about a 70-degree day last year on St. Patrick's Day. And evidently this year, that is not going to be the same. But the basketball is going to be fantastic and cannot wait for it. It does not look like that there's anything new on the Colts' front. Samson Ibuka, the defensive lineman, the edge rusher from the 49ers, was a guy that they signed as of yesterday. We got into a little bit, too. We got more time to talk about it over the course of this show as well. And the time to talk about where this team is going right now. And it is very clear, and something I have talked about leading up to this, is this is a reboot. This is a reboot. And everybody's going to try to win. I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. But if they can save some money and move forward, and you can look at Stephon Gilmore a couple of different ways, and this is something else we talked about yesterday. You can look at it as Stephon Gilmore, when he was brought in here, 
thought this was going to be something that clearly it did not turn out to be. Now, he was brought into a disaster a year ago. And when you watched him, they had four wins, and two of which, if you remember, two of their four, he, like, closed out. But he was brought in here for what he felt was going to be a much different situation than it turned out to be here. So, 32, going to be 33 years of age. He's a cornerback. And we shall see where else this thing goes. So, it should be unsurprising that the Colts felt that he was expendable. And maybe even beyond that, you just do the dude a solid. Yeah, this thing isn't going to win next year. So, why don't you maybe go someplace? Can we put you someplace? Can we get a deal going to where you're going to join a team where they are ready to win right now? Kind of more of what we thought or what he thought the Colts were worthy of a year ago. So he goes to Dallas for a fifth-round selection. I know nobody's around here thrilled. And I know right now nobody around here is thrilled where this thing is going because, listen, I understand it's March. You do not want to hear about... Coming off a disastrous season, you don't want to hear about how there's probably going to be a lot more losing on the horizon. You can point to the Pacers and say, look what the Pacers ended up doing. And they surprised. The Colts should take that blueprint. I don't know if there's going to be much surprise next year, but they should take that blueprint. And try to execute that. And what I mean by it is you lose, but you maintain enthusiasm within the fan base. Yeah, the problem is the Pacers haven't been promising all the glory and the greatness. You've expected a lot more, and as an end result, you have not received any of it. So that's the difference, but to get past where this team is going and where this team is clearly going, to get past that, you do have to be like the Pacers. You have to have to give a, a ray of hope of, hey, this is the right direction, and hey, this is exciting. Hey, they're not bad. You don't necessarily have to be like, you know, Cleveland, for example, a major league. But... You need to be like the Pacers to where you show reasons why it's worthwhile. It's worthy of your time. Because I am betting right now there's a lot of people out there that feel that this thing is probably not worthy of their time. Got a text this morning from a a friend named Greg that said, hey, this is about as low in excitement that I have been. As far as the Colts are concerned. Has not been that low. Now, we're just in March right now. Now, granted, we'll see what happens when they draft the quarterback that they have moving into the future. But that is a tough pill to swallow this time of year. And it's even more difficult considering where this team has been and the type of season this team is coming off of. You're not parlaying anything. All you're doing is parlaying, I guess, if you want to parlay something, losing, disappointment. 
And you're right. This is probably something that they should have rebooted years ago. And maybe they would have been out in front of this. Uh, They chose to go the veteran quarterback route. In one season, they executed that. At least they executed that into the postseason. Didn't win a game, but they executed that into the postseason with Phillip Rivers and everything else. Everything else has been quite the mess. From the year prior to two years ago to last year, it has been a big mess. And there's going to be a lot to clean up. And there's also going to be a lot to get right here. A lot to get right. And in terms of a fan base that does not have a great deal of belief that very much will get right. Just saw this. His name was brought up yesterday. Juju Smith-Schuster signing a deal with the Patriots. Reportedly within the last couple of minutes. MTS Wood says, no stream today? Is there not a stream today, James? We're having some issues with it right now. We can't have issues with the stream here. Come on, technology. They suggest we're having issues with the stream. You tell me when the stream is up. Now, are we on YouTube Live? Right? Or is that the stream? That's the stream. Well, that's just a bunch of crap. We can't have that. I thought the stream was the stream on the internet stream. YouTube Live is the stream? I think so, yeah. All right, guys. I I cannot deprive you of looking at my handsome and chiseled features all afternoon, so we have the people. We have the smarts real good to get after this. And that's the upside. I don't think I've ever dealt with any foobar in terms of technology in the afternoon like this. Absolutely cannot have that. Yeah, I saw this a little bit earlier, too. So, yeah, finally it's out there. And I did laugh. I did laugh when there's a shot taken at Adam Schefter. I am the first to laugh. And I laughed about that. Justin asked me this a little bit earlier. I know JMV absolutely loved Aaron Rodgers just roasting Adam Schefter. (laughs) I will say this, and I don't think he is cool, but I think it is cool that Schefter actually put up that text he got back from Rodgers. I guess the gist of it is, so Rodgers goes on with McAfee and says, you know, he is has every intention of going to the Jets. And he kind of took a shot at both Diana Russini and Adam Schefter. He said, Adam Schefter somehow got my number, and he sent me something, and he told Adam Schefter, lose my number. Nice try, though. And then Adam Schefter, to back up what Rogers said with McAfee, actually showed. <laughs> that that part's funny. And I don't know if that was intentionally trying to be funny or if it was completely unintentional, but it was funny nonetheless. But Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, can you imagine the incredible national sports arousal of Mike Greenberg? Are you guys going to be able to handle it? 10 until noon tomorrow? The sports arousal? I mean, I talk about sports arousal, surrounding. I can't imagine. You guys are going to get all jets all the time for the rest of your life from 10 until noon. (laughs) I mean, it is one thing to worry about, and and that's what's what's different, right? I mean, we kind of got to keep this between the lines, but that's pretty rah-rah right there. But nonetheless, pretty funny. 
And you talk about sports arousals, that one would have to be the king of them right there. Without question, Aaron Rodgers' intentions of going to the Jets. Now, they have to come up with compensation, the Jets do, and compensation that the Packers will embrace. And we shall see. But I guess, informationally speaking, the darkness is over, and at least everybody now knows. Some will, some won't. MTS Wood says we're working now. See, I'm telling you, we have some of the smartest people in radio, some of the smartest people in technology behind the scenes that will get that done. And I knew it. I knew they did not for a moment want to deprive you from my handsome chiseled features. Talking about my hair, looking at my hair, wondering how I got that real growing hair again, all that stuff. Just incredibly smart behind the scenes. Got to thank them for that. I got a busy show for you. Joe A. Erickson of the Star coming up at the bottom of the hour. I think Bowen's going to be here in a little bit. I've reached out to, and I know that yesterday we had Matt Painter on, which was a fantastic interview. I would advise two things. Uh, If you can, go back and listen to both Matt Painter and Dusty May for different reasons. You go back and listen to Painter about his team, but also about other stuff because he is so good at talking about other things that involve college basketball. But the Dusty May conversation, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, was outstanding in the 5 o'clock hour yesterday because we talked about everything that entails a mid-major team, even when it's having a 31-3 and season. Everything that entails... Trying to get there. And then once you get there, like they run rough shot through the Conference USA tournament, win that, exact some revenge because two of those three losses came against Middle Tennessee State and UAB. So they got some payback for that. But once you get there, you know, you beat Western Kentucky in round number one. And we talked about yesterday, I asked him, even with this incredible record, which at the time would have been, what, 28-3. and Did you feel completely secure that you were going to get in if you lost any games in that conference tournament? He didn't mention, yeah, that first one against Western Kentucky was a little concerning, but once you got past that, you felt pretty good about an at-large. But in terms of stuff you have to deal with, that's just part of it. Because then... Then you become, as he went on the Today Show with that program, a bit of a national item, a national item of interest because they hadn't been there in a couple of decades. Florida Atlantic. They were new. New and people thinking, all right, so we haven't seen too much of them. What do they bring to the table? And you have to go through all these different layers of media that – you never had to go through. I mean, basically, it's just like one time for 10 minutes, and you know what that is, and you're in there, and you're done with everybody local, and that's it. But now you got all these different requests. you got all these different layers. The scheduling part, I mean, all of it was incredibly interesting. To me, at least. Incredibly interesting. But if you missed any of that yesterday from Matt Painter to Dusty May, that podcast is at 1075thefan.com. You need to go there and check that out because it was spectacular with them both. 
Make no mistake about it. Uh, you have coming up here again tomorrow. We're going to start watching at noon over at Bottle Works. You've got the first round of the NCAA tournament. If you were watching from Dayton last night, I know Hagen's bummed. I think Hagen actually attended. A little three-point shot didn't go down. Mississippi State got sent packing back to Starkville, or as he calls it, Starkville. Starkville. And Pittsburgh moves on. And then the Islanders of Texas Corpus Christi as well. Tonight, Purdue finds out who they're going to take on in round number one. And then Nevada and Arizona State. You get Steve Alford and Bobby Hurley. Yeah, Steve Alford was loved. And I don't even think Steve Alford was loathed by those that weren't IU fans back then. Bobby Hurley, Bobby Hurley was interesting, and Bobby Hurley, much like that Duke team, he was there with that era when they made the transition from an interesting, darling type of team that people could root for to a team that nobody really ever wanted to see again, and if they did see them again, wanted to see them losing. That was his era. And a lot of people blame that on Christian Leitner. But Bobby Hurley was an essential part of that as well. That was always an interesting to me Duke transition. I mean, you go from, hey, this ACC team that once upon a time under Bill Foster was decent, had some rough years. Get this Mike Krzyzewski guy in here. It's not working. And then he gets this class in with Dawkins and Allery and Billis and Henderson, and they add Tommy Amaker the next year. Get into the Final Four in 1986. And then somewhere somewhere after Christian Leitner, who was high school-wise the class of 88, at some point after Christian Leitner, and I'm assuming that's probably two years in, so let's say around 1990, Christian Leitner became a villain at the same time Duke became the villain. I don't know if Duke was the villain. When Duke upset UNLV, I think they were still pretty much the darling. But once it got to 1992 and when, you know, Leitner stepped on Kentucky's Aminu Timberlake in that regional final, I think all bets were off. That's kind of, he was, he and Hurley were a part of that, that transition. A transition from a likable team to a team that nobody liked and nobody wanted to hear about, the Cameron Crazies. I mean, it, that wore you out then pretty quick. And then obviously for IU fans, you go back to the 1992 National Semifinal and Ted Valentine, everybody remembers that. Everybody remembers that, and that's probably the chief reason why IU fans love Duke to this day. But Alford v. Hurley. Coming up later on tonight. So I am all here and all for that. I got my bracket in. My bracket is in inside our bracket challenge, by the way, too. That is hashtag brackets for bottles. I did not pin that on my Twitter. I think you'll have to find it. I'll retweet it here coming up in a minute. But again, my final four was Arizona, Purdue, Texas, and Gonzaga. And actually, that is going to go up, I think, at the Bulldog. That's going up at the Bulldog, which is very nice of them. And it's probably going to be embarrassing for me because it's going to be a mess. And listen, this is all going to be a mess. Just get ready for it. And this is going to be more messy for you than it normally is. 
This is more difficult than ever. This is literally, this is throwing a dart at a dartboard material. This is having better success out of drawing straws or picking from a hat. Or as I mentioned, throwing a dart at a dartboard. Or picking by virtue of their mascots. It's going to be one of those types of tournaments. You still may end up getting, you know, a one, a couple of twos, and a three, for example. You know, the higher seeds still may get there. But this, unlike anything else, trying to figure out these games, and I'm assuming most of you have done that by now. For me and for somebody that watches a great deal of basketball, from college basketball to the NBA, it was about as difficult as it gets. And the problem is you go through all these matchups of these teams that you have seen and maybe a couple that you haven't seen. But for the most part, for the teams that you have seen and even the ones that you feel solidly about, you can kind of talk your way into why they're not why they are going to be disappointing. For example, Kansas with all their quad one wins. But then you think about Kansas at home versus TCU, and you go, oh, wait a minute. All these teams are capable of having days, having afternoons just like that. Which to me is incredible. It makes To me, it makes for a lot more fun. I just can't remember, and we talked about this the day before with Bruce Weber, to a degree, got into that with Matt yesterday, too. I can't remember a season when everything just seemed to be so wide open. Where, honestly, parity does reign. And that is where we are. I cannot wait. Tomorrow at Bottle Works is going to be an absolute blast. All right, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, we are open for business can watch you can listen participate which i think is the best part about it you can participate inside the lounge via youtube live it is open right now that's the ride with jmv on youtube live very easy to find we shall do that uh, you got rock, yacht rock review tickets to give away coming up a little bit later on i did see the news regarding john morant eight games without pay Conduct detrimental to the league. Again, according to ESPN, you knew something like that heavy was coming. And it absolutely did. We got a lot of NFL to get to, too. Get your thoughts on the Colts. And specifically, what Stefan Gilmore in that trade yesterday told you. What it told you. What did it explain to you? Did it explain to you what I gathered and told you about yesterday and again today? Honestly, this is what 23 is going to look like. Is that what it told you? Was it that simple making one deal for a 32 during the season going to turn 33-year-old cornerback? that did not get what he bargained for coming here, but at the same time would like to go someplace else, maybe get that last hurrah, that last shot, being on a winning team. Seems like that's just the Colts know where the Colts are going. Like, I, for example, I remember this when Rick Carlisle came on this show before the start of the Pacer season. 
If you remember correctly, he preached patience. He said, hey, this group, at times, and this is just me paraphrasing, going to look discombobulated, going to lose some games, but he was talking about hanging with them. Hang with them. And then in the month of December, when they started winning the games, and they were surprisingly better at that time than what you thought they were going to be because the bar was set so low, you were excited about it. I don't think the Colts will handle it that way at all. But certainly, it's not like the owner in the past who's always set that bar really high. Being completely transparent, which is something that over there they have tried to practice or at least have told themselves they've tried to practice over the past, you know, five or so years, six years, transparency. Is that something they should say? Now, this is something we're trying to grow for the longer term future. Will that more run you off? Will that more piss you off? Or will you embrace that? Will you embrace that as something that they should have done a couple of years ago and not waited until this year? Completely honest was that trade yesterday of Gilmore telling us something more than just the trade of a 30-something quarterback. All right, we can hit that at 239-1070. The email address is jamv at 1075thefan.com. Mentioned inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Stream the app, HD radio, which is beautiful too. Yacht Rock review tickets, August the 12th. That is going to be down at TCU Amphitheater, which should be absolutely spectacular. I'll give a shout out today to my friends at Zinc. Went to a little lunch with uh, with everybody, Jim and Matt and Courtney and my man Jerry Brosmer. Shout out to them for joining. That was a good time. And preparation for tomorrow is going to be great. Tomorrow and then on Friday at O'Reilly's downtown to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I believe the Colts folks doing the last word will be a part of it as well. That's Matt Taylor and the Goreman. The Goreman's probably, I don't think he knows this yet, but the Goreman's probably going to have to give me a ride home, so hopefully he knows that. Goreman's going to be Uber for me coming up tomorrow. Uh, check that coming up on Friday. Hopefully he is completely aware of that. We will keep track if any other signings and or trades happen. The biggest news today so far is that of Aaron Rodgers saying he wants to play for the Jets on the McAfee show a little bit earlier today. I mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. Wide receiver signs with the Patriots. The Eagles cut loose cornerback Darius Slay. I think they kept Bradbury, though, right? Or at least reports where they were going to keep him. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot of basketball conversation as well. That news on John Morant. Pacers on the road against Milwaukee coming up tomorrow night, too. All right, 239-1070. Let's take a break, and we shall return. Bowen coming up later on in the show. I think Rob Blackman's going to be a little bit tied down today. I understand that. Joel A. Erickson of the Star about where this thing is going. The patience that I'm assuming that most of you do not have as a Colts fan, the patience that you're going to have to find and you're going to have to exercise. That and more for Joel A. Erickson of the Stars going to join us on the other side. Again, 239-1070. Your phone calls and a lot more great content coming up next. 
The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. A bottle works tomorrow for this show. It is going to be fan-freaking-tastic. I promise. Bottle works tomorrow. Well, brackets and bottle works. Friday, going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day at O'Reilly's. That's a Heaven Hill Distillery Brent Holverson project. So the... I can imagine the free samples flowing on St. Patrick's Day will also be spectacular. So the next two days with me, I would love to see you out. Bottle works tomorrow. And actually, uh, I'm going to hustle up and get out there by the time that the games start tomorrow, a little bit afternoon. I know I always say that, and I know you say, well, you always end up sitting out there in your truck. <laughs> I promise I'm not going to sit out on my truck. I'm going to come in, and we're going to watch together. Bottle works tomorrow. And again, coming up at O'Reilly's downtown on Friday. And the last word, fellas, will be there. And we'll also have, I think Wells is going to stop by. What the hell else is coming out? A lot of folks are going to be down there. Hey, bring everybody. Bring everybody. And Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, will go over some of these wagers too. And then obviously on Friday, get you into that Purdue matchup, whomever it is. Again, they'll find out later on tonight. And then IU and Kent State, which is scheduled to tip at 9.55, so that'll probably be about 10.35. From Albany, New York, uh, Boilermakers in Columbus, Ohio, all coming up on Friday, but we'll get it started tomorrow at Bottle Works. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Indianapolis Star, he is Joel A. Erickson, who covers the Colts, joining us. So was yesterday, you think, a signal? regarding that trade of Stephon Gilmore, that, all right, this team is not going to be that good this season. We're going to try to squeeze out some more cap space, you know, maybe get a guy that's going to be 33 years of age as a corner to a team where he could try to get a win because certainly a year ago it probably was not what he expected. Was that a signal, a warning shot of sorts for folks around here to what to expect with this Colts team in 2023? Well, I think I think the the first warning shot is just sort of the when when Jim Mercer said we're we're you know basically at at Shane Steichen's introductory press conference that all but said you know we want to draft a quarterback uh, you know r- rookie quarterbacks are not uh, you don't when you draft a rookie quarterback you're not expecting uh, to get the the benefits immediately in terms of wins um, you know you you could go through just about any of the young guys who are out there right now who are really really good and none of them. Some of them didn't play very much the first year. Some of them played and and it was up and down. Some of them, you know, in Burrow's case, uh, he was pretty good, but he got hurt. And even before that, they weren't winning. You know, so usually, usually when you're in this position, you're you're probably not uh, going to win. I think you know the, what what Andrew Luck did in his rookie season in terms of a, a win turnaround is is the exception, not the norm. To Joey Erickson of the Stars on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I think part of the issue here is is that this the fans have been promised so much over the years and there has been um, nothing delivered. It, it makes it, I think, even more tough for them to buy into something like this right now. Well, I mean, it, I guess it depends. There's a lot of fans who there's a lot of fans who who don't want the Colts to keep continuing to do what they've been doing, which is trying to 
I mean, the Colts were trying to stay competitive with, with these other signings, and they weren't taking the big swing on rookie quarterback, which is which is the long-term play. And I think there's a lot of fans who, who just desperately want them to take the long-term play and are willing to take the, the short-term pain of, of, you know, not being considered a, a favorite to win the division and, and maybe not being, uh, you know, maybe not winning a ton of games next year. Uh, I, I think there's a significant segment of the fan base that's fine with that as long as they get a good young quarterback. Um, but, I mean, that's that's the that's the hard part. Getting a good young quarterback is the hard part. Yeah, full disclosure here too, Joel. I, I thought you know, regarding the trading of, of Gilmore, understandable. I thought bringing in a kicker was understandable, uh, one that's got more accuracy, one that has a better leg, a longer leg, especially if you got an offense that may have midfield, stalled-out drives, something like that, a way to try to get yourself some points when maybe that would not be a thought process in the past. And you know the way you look at Bobby Okereke, that made tons of sense too, bringing back EJ Speed and letting Okereke go as, as they ended up doing. Who else do you think may not be here that is a, a common name to the fans when it's all said and done? Well, uh, you know, it's it's really hard to tell what's going to happen with Paris Campbell right now. Um, the, the wide receiver market hasn't been great. Um, you know, I think it's kind of topped out at that $11 million a year range. But, you know, I think if he gets maybe towards the top of that, he might be headed elsewhere. Um, haven't haven't seen much on him. Um, uh, we already know Matt Ryan's released. I, I, I don't expect – I don't think when it's all said and done that Nick Foles is going to be here either. I don't think that's really surprised anybody. Um, I, I I wonder about some of the I wonder about some of the some of the veterans. Although the closer we get to the deadline, the more I'm wondering why if they were going to you know make a move on on somebody who's who doesn't have much dead who doesn't have any dead money and, and do that. Are, you know, are they trying to swing a trade? Are they just going to release them? We're kind of getting into that time to release category. Although I guess they don't necessarily have to, but normally you try to do that for the player's sake. So they have a chance to go, go somewhere before, uh, when there, there's a full market. So um, yeah, the closer we get here to the start of the league year, the more I, uh, I kind of wonder, you know, where, where some of these moves are. Um, but, but, and just because, just because, you know, Ballard even said at the, at the combine, if, if we're going to make any moves on some veterans, uh, those are guys who've been good Colts, and typically you try to do the right thing by them, which is is generally to get them on the market earlier. Joey Erickson of the Stars on the Andy Mora Automotive Group hotline. Um, Samson Abukum, who comes here as a free agent from the Niners, a defensive end, um, 27 years of age. I'm assuming that will spell one year, a one and done for uh, you know, as far as you know what you're doing with uh, uh, Ngakwe moving forward here. That's that's my assumption. That's my assumption. You know, uh, they, they they're similar, they're similar body types, similar players. Um, Abukum is is better, much better against the run. Uh, he actually had, um, I it depends to some degree. It sort of depends on which statistical uh, thing you use. But the one I use, Sports Info Solutions, has him as having six more pressures than Ngakwe in about seventy-ish fewer pass rush snaps. Uh, so I, I think that's probably the case. That I still think that there's probably they probably need to make some more moves on the defensive line. You know, just just going by what Chris Ballard's own words, he's always said they want to have, you know, eight or nine. Well, right now I count seven. I've got Pay, Odangbo, Buckner, uh, Grover, Abukum, 
uh, Taekwon and then Eric Johnson, who was a fifth round pick last year. He only played, he didn't play a ton, but was always kind of a developmental guy because he had extremely good explosive stuff. And he played at Missouri State, so he's a small school guy. Um, so I'm kind of expecting him to be in the mix. But that, that still leaves, I think, if, if I'm thinking of it, that leaves probably three, right? Because you got to assume at least one is not going to pan out for one reason or the other. Injury, you know, doesn't fit the scheme the way, the, the way you thought, something like that. So uh, I don't know if those come in free agency, if some of those come in the draft, but there's, there's probably still some moves to be made there. Um, I would think with the defensive line, are they actively shopping Ryan Kelly? I I I don't I can't confirm that I don't have a source telling me that. Um, it's it's it, it it's hard to tell with this. It's hard to tell with the center market as far as if there's anything going on there because there's been a lot of centers who've kind of gone off the board. I think there's a few teams that still need one, um, but yeah. Tough to uh, tough, tough to tell. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah. Curious about that, and uh, you know, obviously, as we move forward to the draft, and it, it's funny, people bring this up to me all the time. I'm sure you get it all the time too. Uh, absolutely unsurprised that I'm sure Chris Ballard had zero interest in giving up those types of assets to get up to number one. Um, Lamar Jackson, I kind of laugh at that too. I couldn't imagine that. I'd probably laugh even more at that than I would what he would give up to get up to number one. My assumption has been the entire time, semi-educated if you want to call it that, my assumption has been they stay at four and believe where we are right now, they can draft Will Levis right there. You think that that is certainly an option as we move forward here to the draft? Uh, Well, it seems – there's a part of me that still keeps thinking that someone – um, not Carolina, because I've seen several local Panthers reporters report that they're not they're not leaning this way, and I, I feel like those are probably pretty informed opinions. But I, I still keep wondering if, if maybe there's a chance that the Texans fall in love with the possibility of Anthony Richardson and and kind of shake things up by making that pick at number two, um, leaving one of the you know Shroud and Young types to probably be fought over at three. I would guess. Um, I I don't I I think I think the most likely scenario though the way it sits right now is that it's a it's a Richardson versus Levis uh, decision at four maybe at three um, you know there's some the Raiders have have still said they're open to trading up you know they signed Jimmy Garoppolo that kind of thing um, but yeah Richardson and Levis seem like the most the most obvious right now based on what based on what we know but in, as, as we all know we have. We have a lot of time here left before the draft and some pro days and some visits, which I, I do think the visits are going to matter um, just based on listening to Shane Steichen talk at the Combine, both in his official capacity and then at Peter King's thing later. Where With Steichen, the, the big thing is something that I don't think we can really know from a public standpoint. Steichen is looking for a specific mentality, a specific pursuit or obsession with the craft. Uh and and I think you know that there's I think if you like I think from a, a media standpoint I think for the most part every kid every quarterbacks coach is going to say they have that but Shane Steichen is the one doing the evaluating of that he's the one looking for something that he saw in Hurts and Herbert and Rivers and so I think that's the hard part of this is is I I think that's the most important thing to him over any physical trait and it's it's kind of hard to handicap who that guy is. Um, without Steichen telling us. 
So Joel A. Erickson of the Star is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So Ashton Durland's coming back. I do want to double back to something you brought up regarding Paris Campbell. Uh, is there any inner meaning there? I, I thought that what he showed and the fact that he stayed healthy uh, would give him an opportunity to return and and obviously not break the bank for anything here. And you know whomever they end up drafting is going to need some help. So as far as Doolin coming back, does that mean anything re- regarding Campbell? And the other aspect of it is, is there a veteran wide receiver that you think they may like to bring in to help out this group move along this season too? There's not anybody that I really like more than – Campbell for the Colts. Um, I, I just, in terms of some of the guys that have come off the board and stuff, it's just, it's just not a good, it's not a great veteran group here. You know, um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the free agent list right now, and there's just no names that are jumping out at me as somebody that I'm, I'm super excited about bringing in as a three. Um, definitely not necessarily, definitely not over Campbell. Um, he, he had a good season. I, I know he's got the injury history and everything. He had a good season here last year. They, they know him pretty well. Um, but I, I, I've just been thinking that there's a chance that they get outbid for him, uh, by somebody else. Um, but it, it wasn't a good free agent class to start with. And now, um, some of the younger guys, some of the guys in their mid, you know, mid twenties that are more the Chris Ballard signing of, of teams that are. I guess in build mode, if you want to say that, some of those guys are kind of, kind of gone, and a lot of the guys that are left are like, you know, Adam Thielen's in Carolina today. He's 32, and Nelson Aguilar's 29. You know, these are some of these guys are older, um, and maybe not the same. I, they they do need depth at wide receiver. It's pretty obvious. That you, do, you don't think they need somebody that's a little bit more veteran to help this group out? Is that overrated? What I'm saying here. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think they need I don't think they necessarily need someone to show guys the ropes. Uh, not with Reggie in the room, you know. Um, not, I, not I thought he may that. have the rope shown to him some too, a little bit more. So I I mean, just it's a theory, and I'm sure it may be garbage. Just, so just cause like what a veteran, like the veteran player perspective, you don't necessarily have that with every wide receivers coach, but you absolutely do with Reggie Lane, you know. Um, now I, I don't know if there's if there's another part of the wide receiver game that uh, of the wide receiver coaching like if you, if with a different you know like when Nick Sirianni was coaching wide receivers uh, obviously that was a coordinator's mind and there's some some schematic stuff he can add and, and Reggie might be doing some of that stuff but in terms of the, the the how to play the game what to look for all that stuff that was stuff Reggie was good at you know in training camp last year I, I was t- I, and I did a story shortly after training camp where those guys were saying like, he's telling me stuff to look for that no one, no position coach has ever told me to look for. And it's always right. So um, I think that he kind of handles that as far as the, the having an old, older guy there. Plus those older receivers, they, they generally want to go someplace where, um, you know, they, they want to have a chance to contend. And right now with, without knowing who the quarterback is, without knowing any of that stuff, Colts don't look like that team. Do you think uh, getting Matt Gay in here, was important for a variety of the reasons I brought up a little bit earlier. I I uh, I saw some fans were pretty upset at that, and I I was kind of joking with uh, kind of joking with with somebody else that after I've spent at least two years uh, criticizing the Colts for for not doing enough at kicker, it would be pretty hypocritical of me to 
to see them, you know, go out and get an experienced, uh, not experienced kicker, a, a very accurate kicker, uh, and 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 not like that move, right? You know, I it, I think some people had an issue with the money, it, it, really in the grand scheme of the things, the in the, in the grand scheme of the cap, it's just not that much, um, you know, of, of five and a half million is is out of two hundred and I think. The Colts' effective number was 232 million. That's not very much. Um, and and just the last four seasons, basically since age caught up with Adam Vinatieri, the Colts have had an issue with kicking in every single one of those seasons. Obviously, there was Vinatieri in 2019. Um, Blankenship was okay as a rookie, but he had that missed 33-yarder against Buffalo in the playoffs. Uh, misses the game winner, gets injured, all the uncertainty in Baltimore. And then obviously last year they they lose there they they didn't lose but they they tie the opener because he misses one on the foot and and that's that's the thing if you have a, an actual kicker that you believe in the other thing is you know people are saying well we're we're not in win now mode well if, if Matt Gay is the guy here he'll be the guy here for the next decade and at some point in the next decade you'd hope that they're in win now mode at some point. You know. hey, yeah, hey, Joe. Final thing, and we always hear this. It is so cliched uh, before and around draft time. We go with the best player available mentality. So, if the Colts were to draft a quarterback at four, would they violate that? Well, that's a good question um, <laughs> because I think most people think that Will Anderson is probably the best player in this draft, the, the pass rusher from Bama. Uh, I do think that most teams, even if they don't say it, they end up violating that for quarterback. Um, and and ultimately though, ultimately though, the, here's the thing: it's a, a player who is well. I mean, you know, a, a the eighth best quarterback in the NFL is much more valuable than the first best edge rusher or a first best left tackle or whatever. In terms of in terms of value to your franchise, so I think I think quarterback's the one position where that doesn't necessarily apply, regardless of what teams say about their grade after the fact. I think quarterback's the one position where that doesn't doesn't apply because having stability there and having a player there who you can win with is so so important in the NFL. Yeah, I just you always think about that because this time of year you hear that more more than you don't. And, and one final thing too, you think Gilmore. You think that was a bit of a nod to Gilmore trading him to the Cowboys, a team that's yeah. ready to go right yep. now? Was that a lot yep. for him? Was that doing him a solid? Yes, uh, I mean Gil- Gilmore is in that in that range as a corner. We, we've seen a lot of these great corners play pretty well late, and and mostly for winning teams. And I, I do think that's a nod. To, you know, he was he's really good here. Um, I think he's a really good teammate. Everything here, I do think that's a nod to him too. And just just hey, you, I, we we know you want to play for something. I do think that that's part of it. Yep. Serious. Joy Erickson, the star, covers the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Things are just getting started for you, my brother. So I'm sure you're prepared for it. <laughs> yes, yes, as always. As always. You know, one of the reasons, too, when they announced that they had signed a kicker or that was reported, it's just where the Colts fans are right now. All right, so you got Ballard going into year seven, which is going to be year one of a reboot. This is basically what it is. And I think that he has three years in all. People say, well, this has got to be something this year. He's gone. I think he's got three years here. Oh, I, I'm with you on this. I'm, I'm absolutely with you on this. I, you don't keep him and then hire a coach no. and then put the GM on the chopping block right away. That's That would be 
like that would be bad business for what you've just done with hiring Shane Steichen. And then it would be bad business for whatever GM you're, you're bringing in. You, you, it, you, there's a reason teams don't do arranged marriages with coach and GM very often. It, it doesn't work that way. They have to be aligned. And Colts, I mean, Ursay knows that better than anybody. Uh, this is, it, it predates me, but I'm, I'm pretty aware of, of the friction that there was in, in the previous um, between, between uh, Grigson and, and Pagano that led to some stuff here. So I, I think Ursay, and, and Ursay talked about this a little bit. Um, hinted at this at, at some point in the recent past for how much he's never going to forget again that those two have to be aligned. So I, I'm I'm with you. I, yeah. I I think keeping him and hiring a new coach. I think this is this is a second chance for Ballard to build and and to get to where he needs to go. And then if it doesn't work out, then then they'll both probably be gone. Sometime we'll have to look up exactly how many second chances like this have been handed out after six years too. Well, that's a good, yeah, that's a good. That's it, a good it, it has good to point. be few and far. But normally, you're talking about here, Joel, a guy like John Snyder, right, with the Seahawks, right. and you have a level of success. This, this is to me unheard of uh, in the realm Steve, of NFL. Does Steve Kime maybe fall into that a little bit? Um, well, he's gotten to hire some coaches. Or I mean, he's he's done now, but he got to hire some coaches. I think he, yeah, he did, he did. I he. Did they have 2013 did, to 2022 for for Steve Kime, and the Cardinals during that time not not the greatest record I, I would guess. How many times they hit the playoffs? That's a good question. Well, at least once. Anyway, that's that's for a later date. I thought I'll bring yep. it. We'll bring that up next time you come on. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's a good point. Looking at it historically, that's a, that is a good point. Joel, I appreciate you more than you know. We'll do it again soon. Okay, okay. Joel A. Erickson of Star. There's a good question right there from the host of this show. I'm going to take a quick one. We'll come back with you next. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah, and the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the show inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Thanks for being great. R.I.P. to Bobby Caldwell. That is going to be the Yacht Rock Classic that you listen for a little bit later on for those Yacht Rock review tickets. Uh, the great Bobby Caldwell evidently passed away today. He is a foundational piece in the genre of Yacht Rock. R.I.P. Brian, before the top of the hour break, go ahead. JMV, Brian Dorsett, how are you? Hey, Brian Dorsett, how are things in the TH, brother? Hey, we're doing well. Thank you. Hell, you better be over there because you're in Ter- you're in Vigo County. It can't be going wrong over there. You know it. You know Indiana State getting the uh, CBI nod. They're yep. coming along, getting better. Good things happening over there. And I'm a cold season ticket holder, so I wanted to chime in. Sure. Um, you know what? I, I think what's interesting about this whole scenario is Ursa gets a pass. You know, when you look at what's been consistent over the years since Peyton Manning left, it's the fact that, you know, Ursay has been the prominent piece. Yeah, he's the owner, but he's also probably getting in the way too much. doesn't have a the better football mind around him. He, uh, you know, he let Peyton Manning go. Peyton Manning goes out and wins another Super Bowl. But, you know, we get, we've got to look at the fact that there's a lot of, seems like just so much dysfunction. And, and I, I just would love to see a Peyton Manning come back somebody with a big football brain that can help Ursa get behind the scenes, stay in the 
stay in the shadows. It gives a lot of money to the community, and everybody loves that, and they're appreciative. But, you know, maybe the media gives them a little bit more of a pass than he deserves. But uh, it's it's over. It, they're just so overdue to get this thing rectified. You know, there's so much debate over what they're going to do. But yeah. why not just go out? I mean, the Pacers have done a great job. You mentioned that. Pritchard's doing a phenomenal job. I like the way they're growing. It is hard when you won and the expectations have been set that you're going to win again, and then they go out and get a Matt Ryan, which was a complete gap. I don't know where the scouting department was in not knowing where Matt really was physically to be able to know. Why would even – Hey, A.B., man, they said they said he watched an hour hour of tape on him and knew that he was good to go. I don't, I don't see it. I don't know uh, how you could ever see it. I mean, look at, he, <laughs> no. he wasn't we brought strong. that up too. Yeah, there's no doubt. He, was, he wasn't strong. So anyway, <laughs> if first they can get out of the way, um, you know, that'd be that'd be great. You know, I, I hate seeing a guy like Jeff Brown uh, leave the organization because I think Jeff's going to go on and do great things someday. But he's going down there with working with Frank, and uh, you know, he's a direct. He was the director of football operations. Just a great guy. He was actually he coached with me. Believe it or not. It's like a guy getting called up to the big leagues. I'm, I'm the head coach. I was the head coach at the time of the Tarot Rex at Collegiate League and the Prospect League, and he was my assistant coach. And he gets a call uh, from Polian Jr. offering him the assistant director of football operations job. And he, he, was, he was blown away. We're on a bus heading to Quincy, Illinois. Right. And literally, I was like, Jeff, you got to go. Because he was like contemplating, was he going to be a uh, college baseball coach again? Was he going right. to be a high school baseball coach? So he's a great story. He'd be a great, he'd be a great interview for you. But um, well, you know, I, hate to see him, I hate to see him leave the organization because yeah. he's such a class guy. Well, I tell you what, i got to hit the top of the hour break. But you stay in touch, man. It's great to hear from you. Seriously. Love it. Is serious. Keep Thanks in touch. So much, Thanks for always giving a shout-out to Indiana State. I love Indiana State. Let's get together in the TH sometime, okay? Thank you. you got to be Dorset right there. That's awesome. Quick break. We'll come back. Tom Deanhart, Kevin Bowen, and more to come. Hour two of the show straight ahead. The Ride with JMV. Well, wait just a minute. Did anybody f- knock anymore? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Joey Erickson earlier. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Bowen's going to be here. And we'll talk a lot about future assets, and we know he loves that. Kevin Bowen at the 5 o'clock hour from Kevin and Query weekday mornings right here. If you missed it yesterday, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, very well could be the second-round matchup for the Boilermakers and Boilermaker head coach Matt Painter on the show yesterday. Pods of each, 107.5thefan.com. But I'll tell you what, if you want to watch them too, uh, you can watch them. Got replays of what we do inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Plenty of opportunities for you to see that. Aaron Rodgers wants to go to the Jets. Aaron Rodgers takes shots at Adam Schefter. I'll be honest with you, though. If it were somebody else other than Aaron Rodgers, who I think I'm just a little bit worn out on right now, I probably would have had a little bit more of a thrill out of it. But still, it did make me laugh a little bit. Jim McCann in Southern California says the Cardinals under Steve Kime made the playoffs three times. Thank you, Jim. 
Uh, that was a point that both Joel A. Erickson and I were making regarding Ballard and a reboot. Well, with the results of six years, how many times in the NFL do you see a general manager clearly is going to get three more, as I said all along, you know, get that second chance opportunity? It rarely does happen. Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, Golden Black Illustrated, friend of the show. We'll be happy to know as a part of the JMV takeover and B105.7 this weekend, while he is paying attention and obviously to Boilermaker basketball, that there's going to be a hairband weekend going on at B105.7. So buckle up. That's, that's music to my ears, my friend. You know, when I'm working, John, I turn my, I'll turn the TV on and go to, go to YouTube. I'll, I'll just find me like a YouTube 1980s hair, hair metal uh, channel. Give me some Cinderella. Give me some rock goddess, you know, you name it, Y and T, some of the deep cut. Oh, the Y and T. My friend, Y and T. How about that? That's a deep cut. How often do you go to Don Dockin? Is that often? Yeah, we're, we're big. My wife's a big Dockin fan, too. She kind of was always smitten with Don Dockin. Uh, he's oh, showing really his now? now? But yeah, <laughs> we love Dockin. Yeah, great white. So, yeah, I, I can appreciate you, you, you know my, uh, You know my groove zone. So, yeah, it's uh Good way to pass the time and take me back to well, where I was in the simple I made time. a big mistake then. I brought you on at the outfield. Hey, James, turn me up over here, would you? Let's bring Tommy Dinard in right here. Turn me up over here, James. Come on, man. Uh, joining us now from Golden Black Illustrated on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And he's rocking like docking. It's Tommy Dean Hart. Hello, Tommy D. Yeah, hello, John. That's my, that's my walk-up music. That, that's nice. That, 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 should, that should be my walk-up music every time I come on the show with you, all right? I just want to make sure you're thoroughly comfortable while on this program. I love it. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's like I said, a lot of fun. And, you know, here we are. I mean, you, I'm sure you guys have been neck deep in these brackets. And right. The first thing that hit me on Sunday was I flashed back to 1988. Yeah, I show my age when I say that. But 1988, Purdue actually opened against Fairleigh Dickinson, who they could play in the first round this year. The second round that year, John, they played Memphis State up in South Bend. I was at that game against Larry Finch and the Tigers. Of course, Purdue could play Memphis this year in the second round, right? Yeah. Then there's a chance, John, in the bottom half. Was that Kansas State there, too? Kansas State. Mitch Richmond. Yeah. Kansas State's in the bottom half of the bracket, of Purdue's bracket this year. Of course, Kansas State was the heartbreak team. In ADF and the Silver Dome. So, yeah, a lot of eerie parallels to 88. Of course, Purdue fans hope the outcome's a lot different this year, obviously. Man, Mitch Richmond was a badass, though, honestly. Oh, nobody knew it. You know what's funny is that year they came to West Lafayette in late, late December. Purdue smoked them by over 20 points. Now, I got one quick trivia question for you. You remember who the coach at K State was then? Uh, Hartman? Lon Kruger. When Lon Kruger was there then. Was that was I right about was there a Hartman there that was before Lon yeah, Kruger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hartman there. Hartman, Jack Hartman was yes. there for a long time in Manhattan. But yeah, Lon Kruger, boy, I tell you what, great coach. That's really where he launched his career, obviously. Went on to a lot of great things from there. I just um that may have been, if memory serves, uh senior in high school, by the way, having a blast at the time, but if memory serves, one of the most frustrating games in the history of Boilermaker fan and of Gene Cady. I just remember him on the sideline being as frustrated and as angry as I've ever witnessed. We've seen a lot. Well, there was one nineteen ninety, John. Right. In the Hoosier Dome. 
Purdue was a number two seed. That was the year Steve Scheffler was the Big Ten Player of the Year. Remember, they played Texas in a second-round game, and they got beat. They hit, a late, they hit a shot late, and Katie thought there was a foul that wasn't called, and he went off, got a big fine after that ball game. So that was one of the most living moments right there in Naptown in 1990. Is there similar apprehension as – they get ready to embark on this tournament. I mean, just a great regular season. You win the regular season in the Big Ten by three games, close out the Big Ten Conference Tournament. But, man, all of that is quickly forgotten because for most Boilermaker fans, from Friday and then into the future is all that really matters right now. Is there any apprehension from Boilermaker fans about that? 100%. I mean, um, not not to take away what what happened during the regular season and 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 in Chicago last weekend to pull off the daily double there or the, or the season double it was impressive but here we are again John it's March we all know the struggles Purdue has had there we I mean just just watching the last six minutes of that game on Sunday Purdue fans had to be scratching their eyes out wondering what's going to happen when when some of these other Big Twelve teams and whatnot come and try to swallow up those freshman guards so. You know, you know as well as I do, it's a guard game, right? Having great seven foot four players is great, but th- this game usually comes down to who's got the better guards. And Purdue's got some nice guards, but they're freshmen. Um, you wonder how they're going to handle their moment. I think that the struggles of Fletcher Lawyer are well documented. Um, will David Jenkins get to play more? Uh, so again, I think there's, there's certainly trepidation for Purdue fans anytime you get to March. I think you bring up a good point. I would expect Jenkins to get more clock now because of those struggles. Is there going to be they're going to be, I hate to say it this way, a shorter leash in terms of of the freshman because of his shooting struggles here recently and going to Jenkins and trying to get more and trying to milk that because that is really the reason, one of the reasons why he was brought in in the first place. Yeah, I mean, just what he did on Sunday, the shots he came in and hit off the bench. It's nice having that off the bench. I think you look at the box score, they both played roughly the same amount of minutes, about 20, I think. But what was excruciating was the fact that in crunch time, it was, it was Lawyer that was on the floor uh, instead of Jenkins. You got, you got a guy in Jenkins who's almost a 2,000-point career score. His story is well-documented, obviously, too, where he's played what he's done. Why, why, why not cash into all that experience and that savvy and use him, especially in crunch time? I mean, Lawyer doesn't have it, and he hasn't had it for a long time. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how, how he's handling. You don't want to ruin his confidence. I think he's had a little issue with one of his knees and a calf, too, so he hasn't been totally healthy. But still, I'm paying I lean on Jenkins. Uh, before we uh, travel on, uh, Todd Meyer, who's a huge, and I mean a huge, Boilermaker fan, documents this for us. 88, Detroit, Kansas State. Everett Stevens dribbled the ball off of his leg out of bounds, and that was the ball game. Clearly, that still haunts Todd Meyer. <laughs> it haunts a lot of people. That was a, yes. I mean, I guess you, you were a senior in high school in '88. That's you. You got to yes. ask. Yeah, that was the same year. What? That was the year Kansas and the uh, Manning and the Miracles beat Oklahoma in that championship yeah. game, right in '88. Yeah. Yeah, Stacy King and Billy Tubbs. They were. Uh, yeah, and then that, that Kansas played Kansas State in the Elite Eight that year up in Pontiac Silverdome. So yeah, that was a fun year. Of course, IU won it the year before. Remember, Purdue won a share of the Big Ten title in 87 with Indiana. And in some ways, John, I think that Purdue team may have been better than the 88 team because that 87 Purdue team had Doug Lee on it still. He went on to play in the NBA for a while. So a nice run for uh, 
for the Boilermakers here in the late 80s. Doug Lee. That Doug is well Lee, done. That? Yeah, Doug Lee spent time in the NBA, didn't he? A number of years. <laughs> That's a deep cut for he you. He had a sweet yeah. mustache, too. Do you have a mustache when he was, like, in fifth grade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He was, he was a big buddy of uh, Doug Altenberger. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> he grew up, like, in Washington, Illinois, over there in central Illinois. So oh, he was man. good, man. He was a nice shooter. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Boilermaker memories in March. I remember, too, John, and in, in, in being in Indianapolis – in 1996, watching Duke play, like Eastern Michigan, that's when Krzyzewski wasn't coaching because he was hurt. And they kept saying over the PA to score the Purdue-Western Carolina game. Purdue was a number one seed. That's the yeah. last time they were number one seed. Of course, that was the game they almost lost. They almost lost. Yeah. The whole stadium would groan every time they were now <laughs> the Purdue game. It was unbelievable. Of course, they, they hung on to win that game. And, of course, subsequently lost to Georgia in the second round that year. Doug Lee. I'm just glad you brought that up. You brought up Doug Altenberger, too. We could do this forever. Like, yeah, this, we, could. Th- we could go the rest of the show. I could give you uh, Anthony Welch and Ephraim Winters and that group with Doug Altenberger. So. That's fun. That was, that was my, those were my college years. I worked in the sports information office, so I'd go to keep stats at all the games. The team that was really good then was Michigan. Yeah. And they had Antoine Jobert. Oh, Antoine Jobert. Uh, uh, Richard Relifer, those kind of guys. They were they were tough. Michigan won a couple of Big Ten titles with Bill Frieder then. I think Eric Eric uh, LaSalle, when he played um, the guy in Coming to America, I think he got his hairstyle from Antoine Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Antoine Gilbert was sweet. So that was a lot of fun. So tonight we'll find out who Purdue plays, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Matt yesterday about that, and he says that is, you know, not difficult that he say, but it's it's a little odd to have to wait like that and not know who you're going to prepare for in a short period of time. What do you think overall about the draw that the Boilermakers got? I think it's pretty good. Some people don't think their their region is quite as tough. Marquette's the two seed on the other side of the bracket. Of course, Purdue beat Marquette way way long earlier this season. It's a different Marquette team now. So you got Marquette, and of course, in Purdue's half still. You have Duke and Tennessee. And, of course, Purdue-Tennessee was a recent vintage NCAA game. That, that classic they played in 2019. So maybe they played Tennessee in the second weekend. A lot of people, John, are picking Duke out of that that that, uh, that region, right? Right. Shire's team. So it's going to be fun. These guys will cut out for it. But just to get to just to get to the Sweet 16, maybe a team like Memphis, who knows, maybe FAU beats Memphis. That's a 31-3 FA, FAU team. There are, there are no gimmies once you get by that first game in, 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 that, in that second round for anybody. How does the season that Zach Eady had overall compare to seasons in Boilermaker history, individual oh, player-wise? One of the best. You know, I uh, I uh, got to follow a lot of the, the big dog team in 93-94. I, I went to Lexington that year and saw them play beat Central Florida and Alabama. Then went to Knoxville and uh, – you know, for the for the Sweet Sixteen in the regional that year, and saw them beat KU, and they lost to Duke and Grand Hill, and and, and Big Dog season was off the charts. You you obviously remember what he did. It's kind of funny. I think time forgets about Glenn Robinson and what he did statistically, uh, as well as just carrying that team. And what Edie's done this year has been phenomenal too, right? I mean, just otherworldly. So it's been a lot of fun to, to watch him and follow him. And, John, I think there may be a good chance they can get him back next year. Yeah, I would imagine so, too. There hasn't been any, anything at all said about it. No, I, I think I think maybe, you know, we'll just, 
I don't know. You know, they've got their collective. They may not even need to use their collective to maybe keep Zach. You know, I think with his personality, with the image he's cultivated, with the game he plays, I think a lot of people would like to be associated with Zach Eady. That's number one. Number two, we all know he's not a top NBA prospect, right? He's not like walking away from being a lottery pick. Um, I guess it just depends on what you want out of life. But he likes he likes college, and uh, he's a special guy and, uh, in a lot of ways. And I think maybe if, if, if everything works out, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if maybe, uh, maybe he's back. Maybe it's still a long shot. But I, at this point, if you were to ask me, I'd put it at 50-50 right now. Oh, you're 50-50 as of this year? I think I think there's really? a fifty shot that he comes back next year. See, I would, I would honestly, I sit here thinking it's clo- more close to one hundred percent. You would certainly know better than I. I, I just think didn't think that there think, was a shot at all. You think there's a hundred percent chance? Yeah, I do. Back? I do. Okay. Well, okay. What, uh, why, why would you suggest fifty-fifty? Just out of curiosity, Tommy. Do you? I guess you never know if there's an overseas opportunity. If uh, if one team falls in love with you, what he's going to hear when he goes through the draft evaluation process, but. Maybe it is 100%. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know Zach personally. I, I talk to a lot of people in and around the program and with the university. And uh, I guess I'm not to the point where I think it's a total slam dunk. But uh, again, 50 50, still pretty good odds. If they get the National Player of the Year back, which I think he's going to be the consensus National Player of the Year, coupled with having Braden Smith and Lawyer back. Of course, you know, Mason Gillis, whoever else. you got Miles Colvin coming in. Um, boy, John, that's a team that I don't know what everybody else has coming back, but the very least is a preseason top five team next year. Maybe the, maybe the preseason number one team. He is, I think, mid-second round by some of these mock draft predictors right now. I, I guess my question would be, of course, We've never seen it because we watch his dominance game to game in doing what he does in the post for Matt Painter. Does he have any any face up type of shooting game range whatsoever that you've ever seen? Never, never in a game. You know, he's got that nice little jump hook, but no real game where he can face up, face the basket. And, and knock down a jump See, shot. See, because people tell me about Trace all the time, Trace Jackson Davis. Hey, you know what? He can shoot from outside. He just doesn't in games. People say that. I've never heard anybody say that, you know, seeing Zach actually face up and take any set idea, shots. Any idea what a guy like for the Fort Wayne Fire Ants makes? What did what, what, what did Julie get? Um, what, 25? That's I think. I mean, he would definitely be, I, I think you know, he would be an overseas type of guy. Yeah. You were right about one thing. All it takes is one team. And we yeah. we argue about that regarding Trace Jackson Davis. I just think Trace is different because Trace can be utilized as a rim runner. And right now, there just does not seem to be a spot whatsoever for the talent that Zach possesses. I mean, at a high level, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't seem like that anybody in the NBA would take a shot, take a chance, take a shot at that. You know the NBA better than I do. I, I don't follow it that closely, but you always hear about being able to guard what the, the pick and roll, the pick and pop, being able to rotate. Yeah, it just seems like he really struggles to defend, and not, not beyond just being a rim protector, obviously. Um, so that that seems like a, it would be a liability for him. There's a lot of things we know he does well, but it seems like that's a detriment. It's crazy for people of our era, John, who grew up. Yes. All those big guys, boy, they were, they were like remember Sean Bradley, those guys who get snatched up in the draft. 
very high, and now it's like uh, look at dead. all they went through to get Yao Ming here too. <laughs> I mean, that was just like a comic book character when he came over. But yeah, like everything in life, it's just always evolved and changed. It's just, it's too bad. But you know what's nice? That that's what's cool about college basketball, college football too, for that matter. Is you can you can have different skill sets sizes, you can run the option in college football and have have fun and you can see different different types of attacks and, and, and skill sets. Where the NFL those pro sports, there, there's a real homogenization, there's a real sameness to everything. You know, who's the uh, fourth? So it's it's Zach, it's Trace, it is um, Sasser of Houston, and Brandon Miller. The freshman from Alabama. Who was the fifth? It's, uh, it's Jalen Wilson from Kansas. You know, it's fu- I'm telling you, these guys, Jalen Wilson is at the end of round one projected. Obviously, Miller here is in the lottery inside the top three. Yeah, Everybody else is, you know, either at the end of round one or in the second round right here. Hey, did you see, I saw before I came on with you, that they had armed security for Brandon Miller today. Yeah, I saw that. And I didn't, man. I mean, I just, I'm sure you talked about this a lot. And I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot. And what a, I mean, it's just a terrible storyline to have hanging over the tournament. But that's the storyline, right? Yeah, it is. That, that's yeah. that. Is. And, then, and then Bill Self. Bill Self coming back from like having stents put in his heart this quick. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Back right away. <laughs> <laughs> right, right away. That's not the kind of storyline you want either. What happens? Something happens to him on the sideline during a game. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's it's amazing. It is. I mean, it, it, the, the the Alabama thing is oh, is beyond belief. So I just, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get. I'm shocked because he probably talked about it for 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 hours and hours the last couple of weeks. But how can you not? If you're Bama, at least sit him now for a little while. I mean, if your standard is well, he wasn't indicted. He can play. After all, you know. Wow, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. unbelievable. I don't believe, I don't believe Nate Oates has really cared too much about oh. that. I think he's about winning games. So if he's if he's you or I, if, if you or I are the tenth guy on that team and we do that, we're suspended the next day. Yeah, well, if you put a tenth guy on the bench, you know. <laughs> it, it it makes it makes you wonder, you know, once they get into the deeper details, you know, in depth after the season, and he moves on from Alabama, you wonder, you know, what Nate Oates' fortunes may end up being there. Just not right now. Just not right now, because you know what matters to them right now. Oh God! But uh, how how that's going to be viewed after the season, and then after the season is when maybe they they decide to take the high road, right? And hey, yeah, I and mean, how about the SEC? They 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 just bring Chris Beard into Ole Miss. They're going to right. <laughs> if, 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 you read, if you read the details of that police report, well, you're, you're shaking. You I'm Beard. sorry. I think I think Will Wade at McNeese State and already being suspended is much better even than the Chris Beard to Ole Miss. Well, so. then, well, then, well, then, football wise, they they bring in Hugh Freeze to Alabama. And then, of course, Texas A&M brought in Bobby Petrino. So that, that and the SEC, I mean, we all know we all know it matters more. It just matters more in the SEC. It certainly does. And uh, I guess I like to win as next as much as the next guy. But man, at some point, you got to draw the line and save yourself. It's just a kind of a game, you know. Is it really that important to sell your soul and and bring in some of these? Kind of nefarious characters. It is uh, Tom Deanhart at Golden Black Illustrated. How far do you think this Boilermaker team can go, Tommy D? Well, I think he can go to Final Four. I, mean, I got him in the Final Four. Should I feel secure? I won't. Yeah, why not? I mean, if matchups fall right, if the big key, of course, is going to be 
can they hit their shots from the outside? Can they hit their threes? They, are not, they haven't had a good game shooting threes, it seems like, in years. I'm exaggerating there, but because we know Zach is going to get all the attention. If Purdue's knocking down shots, forget it. They're going to be able to play with anybody. That's going to be the key. They've got to find their stroke. They've got to get lawyer in a groove. Braden Smith can't always go 0 for 8. He's got to show a little more consistency. Mason Gillis. So, again, if they hit their shots, there's no doubt about it. But as, as we've seen this tournament, you know, anybody can lose any time, obviously. Are you surprised that teams don't press them more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many, you would think at this point, well, they've had, how long have they had to work on this? It seems like months. Yeah, and Matt told said, me yesterday that Weber said something like, hey, do you ever work on the press and practice jokingly? <laughs> what do you say? I mean, it's against Penn State, and normally this normally we only see this in desperate times for the opposing team, but, I, I mean, Penn State had them all discombobulated. They were a mess. That's, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what makes Purdue fans toss and turn at night, I guess. And, uh, is, and can you imagine, I think, to Arkansas, 40 minutes of hell with, with Nolan Richardson. Yes. If, 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 if you can speed Purdue up and get them to play at a tempo like that and just get after and press them with a bunch of six, eight guys with long arms, you know, Purdue's going to really struggle, I would think. I mean, I love Braden Smith, but gosh darn, man, he looks like he's five foot five out there. And he's, you know, he's still a true freshman. I love him. He's a gutty guy that'll attack the rim, but my goodness. Uh, he's going to have trouble matching up, I think, as they get deeper in this, in this big dance. The one thing when I watch is if if Caleb first is rebound putting back or cutting mm-hmm. and cutting to the basket and laying it up or up and unders, that's great. When he squares up and shoots a three, you might as well run back to the other end. <laughs> to me, the, the, the two key guys, you know, Newman's really come on. Newman's got to play well. He does, yeah. And, of course, Mason Gillis, too. Those two guys can give you a little injection of athletic ability. They can run the court. Good defensively. Newman's gotten to the point where now if his offense isn't, isn't clicking, he doesn't let it affect his defense. And we've seen him play pretty well defensively. And they need him, at least on the defensive end. He can get some turnovers, get some easy run rundowns off of turnovers. So, again, uh, to me, Brandon Newman and Mason Gillis may be the guys who really hold the key aside from Purdue just hitting shots as well. Does uh, does first hit those threes? Because I, I, maybe it's just when I watch. It just seems like when he, he does it a couple of times a game, and from what I've watched, it rarely, if ever, goes in. He can. Everybody on that team, except for Edie, can, can score up and hit a three. Even Trey Kaufman rank can go out and hit a three. So, there's there again, there's not one guy that plays meaningful minutes that cannot – Hit a three again, so that uh, there's not many guys. So a lot of them. So forty, he shot forty-two percent from three this year. Did first, first. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I don't have the stats in front of me. Like a, I'm looking at his splits right now. It said forty-two percent on the season, yet nineteen and a half at home. Huh. So he must really blister it on the road, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. he's a guy. You know, he, he's one of those guys. There's a lot of guys on Purdue that. They may not score any points or one or two points in one game. The next game, they'll have double digits. So, I guess it's nice having an array of guys who can step up if somebody's having an off night. Um, the one constant, of course, is always Edie and the load he carries. So, yeah, they've they, they got some guys who can all shoot it, but they've just struggled out of the way to do yeah. collectively well here for, 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 for at least one good stretch of games here. And if you go cold, as we know, boy, it'll be yep. lights out for you. Uh, you get on a run, though. 
You get on a little bit of a run. You don't have to be a great shooting team to get on a run of a couple of day games consecutively where you look like one, and that's part of, uh, I'm sure, Boilermaker fans and their hope. Tom Deanhart of Golden Black Illustrated covering the Boilermakers and more on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. Lover of docking, too. Appreciate you, oh, brother. Yes. Be good, John. Hang in and have fun. All right, well, enjoy watching the game. Stay in touch. You know it. Thanks, Tommy. Tom yeah. Deanhart, Golden Black Illustrated. Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. So I saw the Colts sign Taven Bryan, defensive tackle from the Browns. So a little thumbnail sketch on Bryan, described as durable throughout his career. First-round pick by the Jags 2018. Jags declined his fifth-year option. Free agent 2022, Browns signed him to a one-year $4 million deal a year ago. Last year in Cleveland, 16 games, 22 tackles, three sacks, which was a career high for him, and one pass defended. David Bryan, according to ESPN.com, signed as a free agent by the Colts. Again, a little bit of description on him. Quick break, and we'll come back. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. Yacht Rock Review tickets. The late, great RIP Bobby Caldwell Yacht Rock Classic. When you hear that, number nine, that's your cue to call. You will get those tickets for the August the 12th gig at the TCU Amphitheater. That's coming up. Bowen, top of the hour, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You guys like Italian? No. Yes. No. no. Yes. No. Yes. I love Italian. And so do you. Yes. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James is here. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Tom Dean, Hard Golden Black, Illustrated Boilers. Awaits by virtue of the matchup tonight. Their round one opponent coming up in the NCAA tournament. Bracket challenge, by the way. You guys in? Brackets for bottles. Brackets for bottles at JMV 1070. I'm in. Get in with me. Be a part of it. Boilermakers await Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson's winner. 640 that tip time tonight. Arizona State and Nevada. To follow later on tonight at 9-10. But no, our bracket challenge is legit and you can win. Win bottles. Nate Thomas chimes in with this. Purdue better not overlook the second round because there is a highly underrated team in their bracket with really good guards. Could be a giant trap game. Are you talking about FAU or are you talking about Memphis? Because I'm hoping Florida Atlantic is in that second round matchup. That was not Yacht Rock, by the way. That was Triumph. Thank you very much. John Dishauer chimes in with this, starting to wonder if Ballard is going with the best available instead of the quarterback with the first pick, especially with Carolina moving to number one. So then what would have to happen here is you'd probably have to trade up in the second round. Is that like a Hendon Hooker hint you're giving me there? I, for one, can't imagine it. I'm going to stay with Levis at four, like I've thought all along, until something changes. 
Damon Dobbs writes this, JMV, did you watch the first two games last night? Great games, 40 minutes. Someone on another show said half of the teams in the tournament are trash. Who was on the other show that said that? Who was on today? Was that a middayer? I'm going to blame Jimmy. Jimmy, Should I blame Jimmy Cook? (laughs) Jimmy Cook. No way Jimmy Cook said that. Come on. (laughs) They were entertaining games last night. No question. Hey, JMV, I saw that Texas Corpus Christi, their name is the Islanders. First of all, that sounds like a great place to go to college. And secondly, can you name the 80s classic that was filmed in Corpus Christi, Texas? Well, it is a good thing you asked me that because I can tell you. I believe that was the legend of Billie Jean, right? With Helen Slater looking smoke and cutting her hair. And No, not Helen Slater. What's her name? Helen son. No, Christian Slater. Not Helen Slater. Christian Slater was the co-star. That might have been Christian Slater, one of his first ones right there. The Legend of Billie Jean. Thank you very much. That's outstanding. See, Finch, this organization needs a shot in the arm in the worst way. I don't think Will Levis will do that, and nor do I. Lamar, Stroud, Young, and maybe Richardson, but I have a meh feeling about the Colts. Your meh feeling is, I think, something that a lot of Colts fans have right now, certainly. This is from Jason Ellis. How about the upcoming season, the Colts draft slogans? 2024, crummy for Caleb. Will the Colts be worse than the Falcons? Because it kind of seems like the Falcons are going for that right now. Crummy for Caleb. Or in 2026, awful for Arch. Those aren't bad right there. I don't think anything ever will accomplish what Suck for Luck accomplished. Show Walter, shout out to you, Jeff. I'm a long-term thinker here. Ballard drafts quarterback of the future and still ends up winning Caleb Williams' lottery. Don't you trade the 23 quarterback and get Williams? I just think right now, and we'll see. Long way to go. A lot of things. Just thinking Levis is the dude as of right now. That is just a thought, but I believe Levis is the dude. I don't think it's Richardson. And I think they would tell you that that's who they liked all along. Thus, why move up and try to get Stroud, whom I like? Or why move up and try to get Young? That's a guy that a lot of you like. I will definitely stick to that. Hey, JMV, I heard the Colts just signed somebody new. Who is it? Defensive tackle Taven Bryan from the Cleveland Browns. 16 games, 22 tackles, three sacks a year ago. Defensive tackle signed reportedly by the Colts today. Yeah, Helen Slater, absolutely right. Thank you, Jim McCann. And you are smoked too, even with the short haircut right there. Badass, legend of Billy Jean. Of 
Corpus Christi, Texas. I was right on top of that. That's why you guys need me. If you guys ever go to a trivia event, especially one retro trivia event, you bring me and you're going to win. Easily. Hey, JMV, are you like me glad that the whole Aaron Rodgers saga is over? Let me tell you this. The Aaron Rodgers saga will never, ever be over. Never. This is just a chapter. It will never be over because he enjoys this way too much. He thrives in that environment, and he invites that in. That's what he wants. So this is never going to be over. He may get what he wants, goes to the Jets, compensation package worked out, Jets going to the Packers, may get who he wants in free agency with the Jets, giving Mike Greenberg one of the um, more dynamic sports arousals in sports history. That all may happen, but if you think that it's ending right here, you're wrong. It will never end. Like all those Friday the 13th films, you know what? You're going to make enough to make another one. And what we thought with the grown-ups, you're going to make enough to make another one. Uh, Brick Shirthouse says, what about crap the bed for Caleb? Not bad. JMV, Ben and Greenwood writes, Legend of Billie Jean is an epic movie and an even more epic movie reference. <laughs> Helen Slater. Unless she went on to play Supergirl, too, didn't she? What's wrong with it? Hey, quick break. We'll come back. Bowen coming up at the top of the hour, too, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I owed somebody a shout-out here earlier. I think I've lost where that is. My man still watching... Uh, from Mass Ave, I was going to give somebody a shout-out, and it's been a long time ago. I think I forgot. I like to give shout-outs often on YouTube Live because I like to get you guys there and participate with everybody. But I think it's been a while ago. I'm thinking about Mayflower on Mass Ave. Is there such a place? Here it is. JMV, I love the show. Work over on Mass down the street from Bottleworks. Quick shout-out to Mayflower. Oh, we moved the Colts. Okay, I got you. And the boss gives me the day off to kick it with you. That's great. So if you can get over to Bottleworks tomorrow, let's watch some games, and then we'll do a little bit of a show from 3 until 6. So shout-out there to Mayflower and to Griffin. Griffin, who is watching and listening right now via YouTube Live. Your calls, Bo on top of the hour. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And then at that point, Billy, your house started to shake, the heavens opened up, and God himself spoke to you and said this, Bob? But my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Joel A. Erickson of the Star regarding the Colts maneuvers. And the signaling of uh, rebuild, reboot time regarding Stefan Gilmore yesterday. 
I mentioned the Colts some action today. Ashton Doolin brought back, heard that earlier today, and uh, David Bryan, defensive tackle from the Browns, reportedly signed. 16 games, 22 tackles, career-high three sacks, brought into the NFL as a first-rounder back in 2018. By Jacksonville, Jags declined that fifth-year option. Browns signed him for a one-year deal a year ago, $4 million. And the Colts bring him in this season. This is from Jeff Goodman. So, apparently, the airline forgot to load all of Grand Canyon's equipment in Phoenix on the charter flight. Landed in Denver. Have all the cheer and the band equipment. So the cheerleaders' equipment, the band equipment's all there. Not a single bag for the players. No uniforms, shoes, etc. In fact, everything. It is supposed to be coming. I guess if you're going to Denver, though, it's not too far away. (laughs) But Grand Canyon's equipment left of the tarmac, evidently. Yeah, there you go. Spectacular, huh? 239-1070. Joshua, jump on here before the top of the hour. How are you? What's up, buddy? Go ahead. I'm from Greenwood. I keep hearing everybody calling and calling and calling about who's who are we going to get at number four. Yeah. I wish everybody would just settle down. Settle down, We've everybody. So spoiled over Peyton Manning. That we spoiled. I, I lived around when we were one in fifteen and ninety one when we had Ron Meyer fired and Rick. I'm sorry, Rick Venturi took over. Calm down. Will Levis is fine. I'll take him. Everybody needs to relax. We'll be fine. History repeats itself. Now I will Calm say down. this: I, I do think the, the 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 spoiling part is not me, and it's not you because I think all of us of the older generation went through way too much losing to ever be right. spoiled. And, and here's the reason why, Josh, is because people. People around here have been told to expect this level, high level of winning consistently. And then what we have seen recently, uh, certainly over this past era, does not match that. And that no, just gets everybody irritated. I don't think no. spoiled. Spoiled is one thing because there's a generation out there that was kind of born into the whole Manning era. Then from Manning to right. Luck. Um, that, that, is, that is their memory. Our memory is well before no that when there was nothing win. going on. And now, uh, listen, all, I think all we do is react to what we have been told to expect. And then when you don't get anything in the neighborhood of that, you get irritated by it. That's where everybody is. Yeah, everybody's just so no patience anymore. We've got to build a team. It's going to take time. It might take two, I'll, three, four I'll, years. I'll be honest with you, too, Joshua. I'm starting to lose my patience because I'm on the clock here. I'm 53. How many more right. years do I have to see something transpire? Hopefully 50 more. Before I'm the hell out of here. Come on now. <laughs> Thanks, we'll buddy. see something. Hopefully the Patriots will get a title first, though. Come on. Somebody do that, Joshua. Thank you for the call. It's like Kevin Bowen, for example, sits around, younger generation. They can talk about assets. They can talk about, well, you can make some deal. Go ahead and tear it all down, blow it all up. Younger generation talks about blowing everything up. I do sit here and say, all right, so if you're rebooting this thing, whatever, can you maybe hurry it up a little bit, though? Can there be one thing that you tell everybody here that actually comes to fruition, actually happens, and not get everybody irritated? 
It was Tony Katz that asked me this morning. I'll tell you what, I'll bring that up coming up on the other side. Let me take a break. Kevin Bowen's next. We got Yacht Rock Review tickets. The late, great Sky Point RIP to Bobby Caldwell. One of his Yacht Rock classics coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Cue to call number nine is going to go to Yacht Rock Review August the 12th at TCU Amphitheater. That's coming up this hour as well. Sit tight. The Ride with JMV. Stand by, Stryker. We're going to the tower. Good luck. We're going to the tower. The tower? The tower? Rapunzel! Rapunzel! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there. I'm John. Thank you very much. Jim Mersey with the tweet about 10 minutes ago where Matt Ryan has officially been released. Yeah. Jim Mersey seems to be really quiet here as far as a lot of things, too. In terms of this Colts team, it seems like what a lot of us have asked for him to take a step back and not meddle. Now, it's kind of funny how this comes. It comes in terms of this. All right, you meddled too much. You brought in Jeff Saturday. Last year was a circus. But at the same time, now he hands it all over to Chris Ballard, and a lot of you out there also question that. An interesting dynamic working here. Colts did make a signing reportedly today to Evan Bryan of the Browns. In 16 games, 22 tackles, three sacks a year ago. Former first-round pick by the Jaguars going all the way back to 2018. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Kevin Bowen joins us in the morning show. Kevin and Query, have you noticed that Jim Irsay has been a lot more quiet and away from social media here recently? Yeah, I guess now you say that. Um, yeah, he probably has. You know, to be totally honest, John, I'm always curious who is actually firing off send on. How often do you think it's him? Tweets. How often do you think it's him? Well, I, I think if you look at the punctuation of the tweets, we can probably decipher <laughs> when it is him versus maybe uh, Pete Ward or some people in their social media department um, sending those tweets. So I, I would guess a, a smaller percentage than you would think. I just can't. I mean, I, I just can't imagine him dialing up, you know, Twitter here at whatever it was, 445, and it's like, we have yeah. released Matt Ryan, or, you know, someone sends him the trade graphic of Stephon Gilmore, and he's making sure that he tweets out the picture of the graphic. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but um, I don't know. I have a little bit of a feeling that he's probably not sending a high percentage of those. Kev, we've been talking about, haven't we, um, linemen, a kicker, and bringing back Ashton Doolin is basically the, what, only skill position that some of us were looking for that they have addressed so far with Paris Campbell still hanging out out there. And I know that it's not like that there's a great deal of, for example, wide receivers or skill position players uh, on the market. It's not very robust, but I guess we all should not be surprised whatsoever the path so far that Chris Ballard has taken because, as we've all talked about, there's not going to be much of a change whatsoever. Not a change in philosophy. There is still a lot more of this is my way, this is what I believe in, and this is the path we continue to take. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get super technical, you know, they are structuring some contracts a hair differently, but that's really it. I mean, it's all pretty much the same, and I think you and I have had this conversation for several Wednesdays in a row. Uh, we'll believe it when we see it, and, and it's been – 
you know, very typical him. Um, you know, the expanding of cap space, the move to Stephon Gilmore, that is different. It's probably more of a reality of admitting uh, a place that you are in as a franchise that you are not used to being in at all. And so that's a little bit of that. Obviously, we've seen this sort of quarterback move and getting rid of him earlier than you thought in terms of Matt Ryan today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it seems like Ngakwe's gone. Evacom takes his place. You know, the Paris-Campbell thing, I'm very curious to see what the market looks like for Campbell. I mean, they are, you know, very Colts-specific ties around the NFL that I think would love to have Paris-Campbell. And I know the Colts want to bring him back, but – how he views that. I know Campbell loves Indianapolis, loved, you know, being here. I should say loves being here because he's still here. But um, how that plays out will be interesting because speed guys, I think, get paid in free agency. Uh, but outside of that, I think it's been really quiet on the offensive line. I was a little surprised to see that. I think you could use some personnel additions there in the interior and just kind of an insurance swing tackle out on the edge and certainly cornerback is a huge need. I know it's a very good draft for corners, so you'll certainly tap into that, but I still think it'd be wise to, you know, bring in a guy that has some experience as well. When you say tap into that, that makes me giggle. Well done. (laughs) 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 There are times that I say things and I'm like, gosh, Mark Dyson's seventh grade humor is going to laugh really hard at that. I need to say tap into that more. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll try to uh, use that on a more frequent basis to get you laughing. Yeah, please do. Appreciate that. I, <laughs> I, I will say this regarding the uh, wide receiving market of free agents. His, the price tag on Campbell, because there's just not a great deal there, may be to a point where Ballard and company don't want to mess with it. So that was mm, my thought. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I would make it very clear that the signing of Ashton Doolin in no way, shape, or form should have any impact. No, 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 but you got to keep in mind who we're talking about here, though. Right. I, I just, I, I've seen a few people ask me that, so that's more of just trying to get that out there. I, I know that's not what you were inferring there. And, and, you know, the thing about Campbell that I think is a little bit different, you know, I, I I've said with him, you know, injury incentive, short term deal, that, that's the route that I would go off of you know obviously he played every single game last season just an awesome accomplishment everything he's been through but you can't ignore the first three years but I think you've got to keep in mind and this is so important for the young quarterback in all likelihood you've got to make sure that it's a diverse skill set and some guys that can do things after the catch and I think with Shane Steichen Paris Campbell can provide some of that. And he's different than Pierce. He's different than Pittman. I mean, Pittman and Pierce are a little bit similar body types. Campbell is a different body type and certainly is a different speed, more of that slot guy. And all of a sudden, you know, if if Paris Campbell walks in free agency, and I I know it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but, you know, people have thrown out the name of Mo Alley-Cox as a a cap, you know, casualty guy. I don't think that'll happen, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, all of a sudden, your most experienced pass catcher is Mo Cox, or it is Michael Pittman, and that is not what you want for a young quarterback at all. I mean, if you think back to Peyton Manning, you know, obviously Marvin was still pretty young, but there are a lot of veteran wideouts on that team in 1998. You think back to Andrew Luck, you obviously made a big, important re-signing in, in Reggie Wayne, and I know that you know people might laugh at the name, but when you consider the other free agent wideouts the Colts have had in the last decade, you know, a guy like Donnie Avery was was 
important to luck early in those years. So the fact that, again, Wayne was more of that guy, I think it's so important that you not only provide a young quarterback with some support at that position, but I think having some veteran support is important as well. So Kevin Moore in the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings here on the fan. He is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, just for fun here, what would have surprised you more? Chris Ballard giving up what it would take to get up to number one and choosing the quarterback of his liking, their liking, or Chris Ballard deciding to, to make a run at Lamar Jackson? What would you laugh at more? Because really both of those are in the category of me laughing at, but which one would you laugh at more? Yeah, honestly, on the Lamar front, I'd probably have more of a question if Jim Irsay would do it. I mean, like guaranteed money, uh, that's that's big for an owner, especially one. And I don't think it's kind of too crazy to throw out this thought out there, but I mean, Jim Irsay views himself as some steward of the NFL and one of the more now long-term owners. And I think he looks at what Cleveland did with Deshaun Watson's contract, and I think he will want to stand up for ownership. So, you know, that deal of whatever, five or six years and upwards of 200-some million, I'd be, I'd have more of the question on Lamar Jackson uh, for Ursay than I would Ballard. Um, if you view it in the hypothetical that you threw out there, Lamar or moving up to one, yeah, probably move, moving up to one. Um, it would obviously cost a ton. We know that Chris Ballard's not a fan of trading up. And, you know, Ballard's a guy that, I think views, if I'm trading up for the number one overall pick, you've got to be absolutely can't miss whatsoever, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, all of that. And it's a very high standard that he holds. Um, I, I probably would differ in that, and, and I realize the price would be high. I also think it's important to pay to have first choice. Maybe that player is not what the number one pick usually means, but if that means you get the first choice over a division rival – and over a team in Carolina that has people in your organization that have, I would say, impact or uh, probably intel is a better word, that have intel into your draft process at quarterback, that to me is worth entertaining and worth looking into. But I'll also say this, John, I, I don't know, you know, obviously you could throw picks on top of picks on top of picks. I don't know if the Colts could have made a more attractive trade package than Carolina. And to me, that's more of a reflection on where you're at as a franchise in that a guy like DJ Moore, by all accounts, was kind of a difference maker in that trade, in that you're getting a guy that is on a second contract, proven himself in this league as a three-time 1,000-yard receiver, and has been very durable. Michael Pittman might get there someday, but he's not there yet. And it's just another reminder of, you know, you've got good players at non-premium positions, but Chicago – and wanting and needing to find help for Justin Fields, they needed that position to be wide out, and the Colts just don't have that. Hey, Kev, so yesterday I thought ushered in the realization of what this team is going to be in 2023 regarding Stephon Gilmore. You know, maybe it wasn't the total package of an example, but I think it was part of the package. And going back to the fall, Rick Carlisle came on here and, you know, preached patience. Uh, and then in December, the Pacers won games and got everybody excited, right? Gave them a reason to keep coming back, a reason to be interested. You think we'll ever get that level of transparency 
and real from the Colts regarding what fans should expect? Or do they believe that either, A, fans already know it, or they don't want to tell the fans that in general? What do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, something I kind of threw at Stephen Holder earlier today of, you know, viewing the Stephon Gilmore trade almost like the Karis LeVert trade of a couple years ago. And then you had the Sabonis, and then you had the Brogdon, and that's when the Pacers obviously – you know, showed their cards, and then eventually Kevin Pritchard's words backed that up and how big of a rebuild that they were deciding to undergo. Um, I think it's a little harder to do in the NFL, and I think there's there's ego everywhere, but I think there's even more ego to admit that. Again, actions probably have to admit it more than anything, and I think Gilmore was a bit of that admittance yesterday. Um, so I, I don't think we get to that point. I, I just – I. It's such a foreign thought for me, John. I mean, you know, I, I don't, you know, if you are kind of in my age bracket, like you're not used to the Colts, you know, having four twelve and one, or you know, not having, you know, an answer at quarterback. And now you look at the AFC, and no matter what they do in the draft, obviously, I mean, you're looking at some great young quarterbacks all across the AFC, and it's just kind of a foreign existence for the Colts to be looking up at all that quarterback help. Like they're looking at the window of everybody playing in the backyard and they're not allowed to go out there because they just don't have that position um, at all, you know, figured out. And I guess that kind of gets back to a little bit of the draft debate of, you know, when you go four twelve and one and on top of not winning a division in eight years in a division that, you know, is very winnable and you have the embarrassment of this past season and you haven't drafted a quarterback in the first three rounds in a decade, I mean, to me, all of that adds up that you, you've got to come away with a quarterback. And, you know, coming away with a quarterback that you have an early choice on is the path that I think should have been explored a little bit more because I'm not saying the Colts are going to get the third best quarterback in this draft if they sit there at four and Arizona doesn't take a quarterback, but they will get the third choice. I think there's a difference there. You know, having the third selection at QB doesn't mean you're getting the third best one, but it means you've got to dodge other teams. And again, I think it's worth repeating, you are dodging teams in Houston that's in your division, and you'll see that franchise obviously uh, a whole lot here moving forward. And then in Carolina's case, I know a lot of people think Frank Reich, of course, with a little bit of the intel, I'd point more towards Brian Decker who is a big part of the Colts completing the draft profile on these guys. He was actually he sat in on the head coaching interviews throughout. He's a close confidant of Chris Ballard. He left to go join Frank Reich in Carolina. And he's a guy that does a lot of kind of the, uh, the neck up, you know, part of the profile on these draft prospects. We can make fun of that. We can say, you know, culture, character, and, you know, whatever, personality. That matters when I think you're separating quarterbacks. Like, if you find that drive, and there is a separator there, that matters. And if you're Brian Decker and you know the opinion that you gave Chris Ballard in the fall and going out and seeing those guys, you're probably going to make sure Carolina knows that as well. And I'm curious if that played into Carolina's urgency to get all the way up to number one. Hey, Kev, you were there. When when I had Chris Ballard on a couple of weeks ago at the Combine, He kind of the first thing he started was joking about trading down. And I never took that as a joke because I think that that is always – just a part of the way that he is built. And I still think that he would be absolutely unafraid 
to trade down. I believe that they think right now, or I guess you would have to know, that they like one particular quarterback and they can get that quarterback at four as we sit here right now. But do you think there's any thought with going a different direction at four and then, I don't know, I guess you'd have to trade up with a second rounder with what they have right now, trying to get in a you know a deal where you can maybe take a look at, at Hooker or somebody like that as a second-round pick at quarterback. You think that at all is being tossed around as a thought? Um, I, I, I do. Um, I, I do. I, I also think at this point you got to toss everything out there. But to, to your point, um, I, I think it is something that's being discussed. You know, a couple questions I would have. First off, I don't think Hendon Hooker gets to you at pick 35. So, to your point, no, you have to you trade up. Yeah. Him, yeah, you've got to get, I think you've got to get back into round one. Um, you could point to a lot of teams, you know, after pick five that I think would be interested in a, a quarterback. The question that I would have at four is, you know, what if Will Anderson is there? Let's play out a hypothetical and say, all right. You know, Seattle sits there or whatever. Detroit sits there at the sixth pick. They have another first-round pick. I think it's 18. Let's say they trade up to three, and they draft the quarterback. Now Arizona moves back to six, and now three quarterbacks are off the board. So it's either Will Levis or Will Anderson. Let's say they take Anthony Richardson, uh, the Lions do, to sit behind Jared Goff for a couple years. And the Colts are sitting there, and you have that debate of Anderson, Levis, or, you know, whatever, maybe a trade back. You know, if you were to say, and I don't know if Will Anderson is this player, but if you were to say Will Anderson, defensive end out of Alabama, is going to be a dozen sack guys for the next decade, considering how important that position is, would you take him right there? And then all of a sudden, you try to maneuver your way back into round one, get hooker, something like that. It's a thought that since Friday, since Carolina made that move to one, it's crept more into my head. That's why I think the Colts should go up to three right now. I think they should trade up to three for multiple reasons. Uh, because you now are in control of where the draft can pivot and can start. We know one and two is going to be a quarterback. You get up to three, and either you have the pick, and let's say it goes C.J. Stroud one, Bryce Young two. You have the pick of Anthony Richardson or, or, or Will Levis, and you also are now fielding all these calls. Because, you know, let's say in a few weeks, John, the Florida Pro Day happens, and Tennessee sitting there at, at 11. And with the new GM, they're like, oh, my gosh, Anthony Richardson, he blew us away. We had a private workout with him after the pro day, and we are sold on him. Well, you don't want Tennessee calling Arizona in late March, early April and getting up to three, and now you get the fourth selection at quarterback. I think those are all possibilities you've got to play out. I know that some might say uh, moving up one spot is kind of a waste. I'd want to move up there to either have the choice under this scenario of a Levis or a Richardson or your field field and calls. And maybe you trade back, you know, in a month again. So maybe you don't make the selection there at three after you reevaluate and see what type of trade calls you would get. But that's something I think you would you need to look really, really long and hard at here uh, very soon. Hey, Kev, I think one of the people that would say or feel – that that would be a waste would be the guy making the decision and Chris Ballard four to three or hopes he does not have to be thrust into that because that would seem like that's very unballard like 
trying to give up right. to something and and you know not be sold i mean you would really have to be sold on four unlike we believe right i mean how, how sold do you think they are on this quarterback uh, wouldn't you have to be sold on the guy you believe all along you can get it for unlike you were sold enough to trade up to have you know the pick on the person you're sold on i i mean there's not a lot that makes a great deal of sense about a deeply rooted belief and the quarterback they're going to be selecting, we assume. Yeah, I, I guess to the first part of your question there, it's time for Chris Ballard to start doing unballard-like things. You know, when you've done it the way he's done it for six years, going into his seventh year, um, you, you're fortunate to still have a job. Ninety-some percent of GMs with his resume would have been fired at this point. That's um, why the, the last two Januaries, the first question I've asked him at each press conference has been, do you feel like you need to alter your roster building philosophy, whatever you want to call it approach, because it has not worked out and the trajectory is going the other way. It's not like you've, you know, you, you, you've done, you pivoted in year four and now you're starting to see some positive signs. No, no, no. It, it's going the other way heading into year seven. Uh, yeah, to the point about trading up, you know, obviously if, if you view Stroud and Bryce Young, on a tier, and then Levis and Richardson on another tier, you would have to have separation in Levis or Richardson for that to really matter, of course. Like, if you feel conviction one way or the other on Levis or Richardson, then that's why I think you would move up to three. And again, you know, how much of the process is still incomplete? You know, do these pro days matter? Do private workouts matter? Do bringing these guys into your facility, you know, is that what can push these guys do that next rung up the ladder or separate them a little bit. I mean, clearly, you know, Jalen Carter is a guy that's seen his stock, it seems like off the field and on the field, drop based off the combine and the news of the arrest and then, you know, what his pro day looked like as well. So I still think there's time to kind of complete that profile, and that's why I think you got to get ahead of that. Get ahead of it either for your own sake or get ahead of it in case another team wants to jump you. And if for some reason there isn't that separation, I still think you would field enough calls to where someone would have interest in trading for that third pick. Or, again, if worse comes to worse, you take Will Anderson and you hope that he can be, again, a 10-12 sack guy for, for, for a decade. I think these are all thoughts you have to have. I don't really love or have great conviction on any of them because I felt like Stroud and, and, and I think Stroud and Young are on a tier above the other two, but this is the reality and this is the bet that you've made and, and you got to figure out you know, how best to maneuver it. To answer a couple of things you brought up, because I asked twice in different ways about the philosophy and I thought both times the way that he answered it two weeks ago was that he was going to be nearly the same. And we know that he's he's going to be hard-headed about this. I don't see him changing much whatsoever and we've kind of seen that certainly to a degree so far and the other aspect is when you're talking about pro days as much stock is apparently what they put into the combine compared to what they see on film i i would have to think they put less stock into these pro days which are ready made well, even more than what you see at the combine right even though if it's somebody that hasn't thrown until they get to their own pro day for example yeah, I should have I should have clarified that better. You are getting to know these prospects more and more. This interview interview wise is yes, the difference. Interview wise, I'm talking all behind the right, scenes, one on one. 
they're coming to your facility for a top 30 workout and or a top 30 visit is, I think, how it's phrased. And obviously the visit is not about going into your indoor facility and working them out. It's about, you know, taking them out to eat and, you know, all right, you know, here we are at whatever, Boathouse Grill right there by the facility. and, and, and Get my lobster and dirty. You. <laughs> boathouse Grill, great, a great spot, by the way. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, was, I was thinking of Rick's. Boathouse and cafe oh, sure. out Rick's, there. So Rick's. Rick's as well. Hey, if we get a nice spring day here, definitely head head over to Rick's. Um, that's where I think you are completing more of this. Yes, the pro day on field stuff that doesn't matter. It's more of private workouts. You know, one on one, getting them into your facility for these visits. That's when you are kind of completing this profile. And you know, Shane Steichen said it. You know, a few weeks ago at the combine of. That's oftentimes what the difference is. You know, you can work with their different athletic traits. Um, Shane Steichen has probably proven that uh, more than a lot of people with his quarterback background. But what you what Steichen has said is kind of a non-starter. You know, you have got to make sure you're wired like Jalen Hurts, like Justin Herbert, like Phillip Rivers. And that's what I think you're finding out in more of these behind-the-scenes stuff. All right, Kev, what's your Final Four look like? Ooh, I got my bracket. Oh, boy, that's my wife's bracket. Let's see what my wife's got. Oh, I've got uh, a <laughs> Mandy. Well, let me hear Maddie's first. Let me see that. Yep, let me hear okay. that. Maddie's got Baylor. I don't know if that's a Valpo connection there, but she's going with Baylor. Did and she go to Valpo? Got... Oh, no, I just uh, – Scott Drew. I, I, I just thought a little bit of a, I don't know, Homer Drew sort of connection here. Did Maddie go to she's IU got... with you? She did. So she's got IU winning it all. She's got Purdue in the championship game, so not, not too much venom towards West Lafayette there from her. And she's got the fighting Jamie Dixons coming out of the West region. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, TCU action. Hey, did you guys meet when you were drunk? <laughs> um, sure, yeah. Uh, but fortunately, we also then talked sober and everything. No, seriously, did you really meet out, yeah. when you were drunk? We, uh, I mean, she went to Chattard. I went to Cathedral. Like, we kind of had some mutual friends. Oh, so you already I mean, knew was, one another, so you didn't really meet. Because I met my wife, and I was, com- I was 19 different ways blasted. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say, like, the first time yeah. it turned into, like, hey, we should go on a date, there were there were definitely a couple drinks involved. Did, yeah. you, did you guys uh, do so dates first- alone, or did you? I was a group date guy. Like, I wanted all my friends around me on a date. And still yeah, would. The first couple were were one on one, but yeah, we did do. I, yeah, yeah. I, I can I can I can think of a couple group. I love group dates. Group dates. Group dates, group dates at McCree's Deli. There was nothing better <laughs> than that. I love that. Uh, my final four. I've got Arizona. <laughs> I've got Arizona beating UConn in the national title game. UConn. I have Arizona, Purdue, Texas, Gonzaga. I have. I have Arizona and Gonzaga. That's Tommy Lloyd, the longtime assistant for Mark Few and Mark Few. And I have Gonzaga winning, and here's why. Because this is a season where they're a three seed. This is a season where they've been to two national championship games and lost. This is a season where even I have said they're not nearly as good as they have been at least a couple of times in the past five or six years. And in the landscape of college basketball where everything is even so much parity going on out there, I think this is going to be the team for Mark Few that breaks through. And they won the national really? title. Okay. 
I've got them losing to UCLA in the Sweet 16. It does seem like this Gonzaga team is totally different than the one, you know, Purdue saw early in the year. But yeah, I feel – I don't know. I, feel, I don't know if I feel good about it, but, like, is Marcus Sasser healthy for Houston? I mean, I think one of Purdue's toughest games would be Memphis in round two. Well, don't say that because we got to get FAU in there. I don't want any Memphis. Well, I, selfishly, I would like to see FAU because um, they got a 7'1", 240-pound Russian dude, yeah. and I'd love to see Goldie. Him Zach Eady go at it. Goldie. Yeah, that's, I believe um, – he transferred from Texas Tech, if uh, memory serves, and what Dusty really? said. So, D- Dusty May was great with you. Uh, oh, he's a good dude too. He and he has he's been at this for such a long time on so many different staffs, and I know what he he puts into it. I I'm surprised, I guess, because you're playing right now. But you had these jobs open. You know, Ole Miss goes, you know, with Beard the Clown, and I think Stoudemire gets Georgia Tech. I was a little bit surprised. I haven't heard any mention any place else in a in a, a Power Five type of conference. But he seems to be cool with wanting to stay. I just I hope for his sake, Kevin. This is true. The outlook inside the transfer portal. Um, I hope that. If they play well, at least in a game against Memphis, or even with the body of work they've already presented, I hope that you don't have guys get poached because you know there's going to be a lot of that going on. Could we get him in South Bend? Would he take the Notre Dame job? Why did <laughs> yeah. you ask him that? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he wants me to take it there. I, I mean, listen, Boca Raton's a good place to be. Um, yeah, just I wonder how how other teams may treat his team. You know, as far as trying to to break it up. And again, it all is either the body of work so far or what you end up doing in in this first game or these first two games if you're fortunate enough to get there. But no, I'm really proud of him. I really am proud of him and happy for what he has done. And I think IU wins at Kent State, which is to me questionable. I want to pick Drake over Miami, but I'm, I guess I'm kind of gutless there. If Miami beats Drake, I think Miami is going to be a big problem after that first win for IU with their guard play in that second matchup. So, Are you saying South Bend is better than Boca Raton? Is that what I heard? <laughs> it might be. A little yes, much better. Much, much better. I know we're up against it, but I got, I got Drake in the Sweet 16. I, I got Kent State winning. Well, DeVries is a good player. He's a good player, yeah. and I've said we all need him along. And his dad in South Bend. Yeah, I said all along that they could win. I, I just that initial matchup against Miami. I'm a little bit skeptical about that for Drake. And Drake, by the way, Drake struggled in December, but they have been lights out since. So that's good for you. So. Miami's big guy a little banged up. So yes. I'll be curious to see how that one plays out. And by the way, Jim Laranega will not play Dusty anymore because it was a close game last year. So Miami is not on the Florida Atlantic schedule. So Laranega said, really? nope, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he does, he does coaches. Kind of me the wrong way. Coaches and their challenges and their mantras and all that crap make me laugh sometimes. My brother, I appreciate it. You and Jake tomorrow morning at 7. Yep, John, enjoy the uh, road shows here coming up for you the next couple Oh, it's going to be a blast. Kevin Bowen right there, the morning show. Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'll tell you again about those road shows tomorrow and Friday and more coming up next. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- Lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, let's all 
Sit back, relax, sky point, and smooth out with Bobby Caldwell. Bobby Caldwell passed away earlier today. Bobby Caldwell is the writer, the performer that came up with one of the staples of the Yacht Rock catalog today. What You Won't Do for Love is a Yacht Rock favorite. Hey, by the way, Yacht Rock Review is going to be at the TCU Amphitheater. That's August the 12th here downtown. I promise you a spectacular time. Number nine is going to win those tickets right now. 239-1070. Yacht Rock Review at the TCU Amphitheater. Thank you very much, Live Nation, for all that you do. Number nine's a winner. And I'll sky point for Bobby Caldwell even on a hairband weekend coming up on Saturday with the JMV Takeover. Gutshot writes this. You call your friends a group. I do. I have an incredibly large amount of friends because I am not a butthole. I am a good dude to be around. If you're good to me, I'm going to be good to you. If you are an a-hole to me, I will be an a-hole to you, and that is something I never forget. That is part of my issue. If I need to deal with anything that's an issue, it is that. Because I will hold me a grudge. But at the same time, a lot of friends, group dating was my thing. Jim McCann says this, full disclosure, I was so drunk that foggy night I met my wife 44 years ago. I slept it off in this parking lot. That is well done. Out of you right there. Yeah, I was um I was a lot of wreck. Sometimes that's how it happens. Uh quote, I'm on the clock. That's hilarious, JMV. I am on the clock. I'm 53. I, long, long reboots, long rebuilds. Now, assets, trade value, cap space, all that crap doesn't really mean a lot to me. We gotta hustle up here and get some winning going on been a long time since consistent winning has been the staple around here. Uh, Tony D, probably. <laughs> probably. There's a couple more you could add to that list, Tony. Probably. <laughs> JMV, the Colts set free agent record signing for a kicker. That was the problem last year. Good thing our receivers line defense were all working perfectly. <laughs> Been no skill position players brought in yet. Ashton Doolins brought back, but nobody yet. Yeah, thank you, Charles. JMV, this is for your files. What Aunt B once upon a time looked like. Indeed. JMV, I think the Polish prince could give him a run for his money, hair transformation-wise. Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's going to Carolina. Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver to the Patriots. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, one signing by the Colts a little bit earlier today, David Bryant's a defensive tackle from Cleveland. 
16 games of which he played a year ago with 22 tackles and a career-high three sacks for the former first-round pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars going all the way back to 2018. Signed a one-year deal last year in free agency with Cleveland and a deal earlier today reported with the Colts. Also, it's been made official that Matt Ryan has been cut loose to nobody's surprise. Is Butch the winner there? Hey, Butch is on line one. Butch, are you a big Yacht Rock fan? Not sure what it is, JMV. Holy crap. That's like two days in a row right here. All right, Yacht Rock, Butch. Yeah. Yacht Rock is a form of music that mostly you would hear in the mid to late 70s and early 80s. It's groups like Ambrosia. It's the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald. It's Player. Yeah. It's stuff that you probably would have heard on a K-Tell album. It's Kenny Loggins. That Love is the, the basic. Those are the basic foundational pieces of Yacht Rock in that genre. Okay, where'd the name yacht come from? What's it stand for? A uh, yacht, What's... as in a yacht, like a boat. Like I'm on a yacht. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking like Y-U-T or something. But it's oh, yacht. no, yacht, as in a yacht. You're on a boat, you're on a yacht, you're smooth on a yacht, you're having, you, you got a glass with an ice ball in it of, of larceny bourbon, and you're sitting back, and you're chilling, and you're, you know, you got your shirt either off or unbuttoned, and, you you know, you probably maybe have a hairy chest. I mean, who knows? Uh, oh, but the cool. day on the yacht is yours, and you're chilling out, you're smoothing out. That's what oh, we that's- do in the world of Yacht Rock. That's what I need. Butch? Hey, can, yes. Can I, can I ask you a question? I think you better, Butch, since I have you here. All right, good. Well, A, I always call about IU basketball. Yes. They're going, they're, they are going to the Final Four. They're going to win one game. But go ahead, Butch. Tell me more. All right. Next question, or the next <laughs> issue is, I don't even debate it. The next issue is uh, this Chris, uh, what's his name? GM? Ballard. Chris Ballard, yes. That may be the worst general manager in the history of professional sports. First of all, Ursay has begged him to spend money for five years, and he won't do it. And then he finally decides, well, maybe we better do something here. So you got uh, Jamar Jackson out there. This guy doesn't even sniff it. And then secondly... One problem you don't have is a kicker. That McLaughlin was a pretty darn reliable kicker. And that's what you go after to solve a kicker? A I kicker. Mean, this guy is out of his mind. Butch. Uh, Butch, yeah. I tell you what, I got to put you back on hold there because you got to talk to James. Butch is angry with Chris Ballard. <laughs> I'm just happy I got to explain to Butch about Yacht Rock, too. I think I explained it accurately. Butch is angry. I will say this about Matt Gay being brought in. I am not going to sit here and be mad about it. I mean, you can joke about it, certainly. And listen, uh, jokeability is one thing that the Colts have had in the past year. Two. Year and a half. But... They wanted to get more consistent and a bigger leg out of that. At least that's what they were going for. 
but no skill position players as of yet. Defensive tackle, an end. Ibukam, Samson. Hey, JMV, you guys love Butch, by the way. Next time I fall in love by Peter Cetera. Is that done with, uh, is that a duet? Next time I fall in love? Was that on a soundtrack? Can't remember. I thought it was. Written by Bobby Caldwell. Bobby Caldwell, that's a Yacht Rock staple right there. (laughs) Larry quick break we'll come back final time with you I want you guys to be with me tomorrow and Friday can we make it a date can we make it a group date tomorrow bottle works Friday St. Patrick's Day celebration at O'Reilly's downtown RSVP I got to see you guys tomorrow and Friday back with you next final time the Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, this Satara song, according to SPT, is actually a duet with Amy Grant. There she is right there. 1986 duet. Written by Bobby Caldwell. The one I was thinking of was Satara and Cher, after all, from the film Chances Are. I believe that was 1989 right there. I was in the ballpark. I was. Hey, tomorrow, Bottle Works, join me. No need to RSVP. I just thought about that. Just show up. going to watch some games, do a show, throw back a couple, maybe get a couple of Clancy's cheeseburgers. Who's down? Friday, celebration, St. Patrick's Day. We're going to be at O'Reilly's downtown for that. That is going to be a can't miss right there. All right. Quickly, Jerome, give me 10 great seconds right here. I got to run. Hey, man, chat. Hey, how's it going, man? Great. 10 seconds, Jerome. Go. I need the coach to get Lamar Jackson. Seriously, I need him. I'm the same age as you. I don't want to wait another four years for a rookie to develop. We need to get something done. I'm tired of the homerism. We don't need a first-round pick project. Uh, Shout-out to Bobby Caldwell. He was John B. He was up and thick before they knew what soul music was. Exactly right there. All right, five seconds, Mike. In closing, go. Five seconds. JMB, it's your old neighbor from BU back in way back when. But anyway, hey, listen, what's Ballard always say? What is it? It starts where? Where does it start, JMB? Up front. I got to go, Mike. I'm sorry. Call back again soon. We'll give you priority. James, great job. Tomorrow, Bottle Works. I'll be there around noon to watch some games. 3 o'clock for the show. Tomorrow, Bottle Works. You, me, a blast. I'll see you there.